Hey, today we start a brand new series, a six-part series on the book of Ephesians. Let's hit Ephesians 1 today. Join me, will you? Let's go. All right, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining me uh, for another episode of the Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking podcast, YouTube video. If you want to join us live, we're here live on Instagram every Monday and Friday recording these uh, these Bible Reading Coffee Drinking episodes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Today, we're diving into the book of Ephesians. Uh, so this is going to be a six-part series. We'll do Ephesians 1 today and Ephesians 2 on Friday. So it'll take about three weeks or so uh, for us to kind of get through the entire book. It's a great book. Uh, what's it about? It's written by the Apostle Paul. So for those who don't know, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote a lot of these letters in the New Testament, and this one was written uh, while he was in prison, uh, I think around 60 AD, roughly. Uh, so he's writing these letters to the churches, and this is to the church of Ephesus. So to the uh, churches, so you got Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, all those New Testament books of the Bible that were written by Paul. He's writing these letters uh, to these churches that they have established over the last you know, 30 or so years. Uh, they've established these churches around uh, Asia and, and the Middle East, what's now the Middle East now, and into uh, Europe a little bit. Uh, so they have these churches that he's established, and he's writing these letters to those uh, church uh, leadership of each church. Each one has kind of um, kind of gone their own way a little bit, and Paul's kind of bringing them back to the entire purpose of why the church was established, which was uh, spread the good news about Jesus Christ. So that is where we find ourselves in Ephesians 1, and uh, we're going to dive in. It's pretty short, but uh, we'll read it, and then we'll talk about it. All right. Uh, greetings from Paul. This is Ephesians 1.1. 1, 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give grace and peace. Verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united in Christ. I love verse 4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Verse 5. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. All right. Whew, a lot to unpack there in just a couple of uh, verses. So first thing I want to talk about is the fact that he referenced, and I know I have my old man glasses on, uh, he references the fact that even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Okay, so God the Father created us. He created the heavens and the earth. He created everything. And even before he did that, he knew he was going to create us. And he knew he was going to love us. And he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Now, we have fallen since then, for sure. But he created us perfect. He created us holy. He, cre he decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. It gives him pleasure. I love that word, um, pleasure, as it talks about God. The fact that God created us, and he saved us through Jesus, 
And that brings him pleasure. That makes him happy. That's how much he loves us, is that he knew he was going to create us. And he knew he's going to give us an opportunity to be saved through Jesus Christ. Because he loves us so much, he wants us to be part of his adopted family, as it says right there. Verse 6. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured onto us who belong to his dear son. So if you belong to his dear son, if you've you've accepted Jesus Christ, he's poured his grace out to us. All right, verse 7. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. All right, he purchased our freedom. It's important to remember that our salvation and our ability to join God in heaven has a price. I live in the United States, as as most of you guys know. And our freedoms that we enjoy here in this country were purchased by by a price in blood, right? We fought many wars. We, we, we fought for our freedoms here in our country, as long as in many other countries too, just like where you guys are. Our freedom was purchased in by blood, just like the blood of Jesus was the payment for our sin. The fact that Paul referenced the fact that our freedoms found in Jesus Christ and it was purchased and he and he and he he's so rich in kindness that he he knew that Jesus was going to have to shed blood. You know, you, you hear a lot in the Old Testament talking about, you know, the sacrifices, right? The sacrifice they sacrificed different burnt offerings and one of those being the lamb, which is the one of the coveted ones. And in the New Testament it talks about Jesus being the lamb, the blood of the lamb. Because Jesus is our sacrifice. Jesus saved us when we couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't sacrifice enough and work hard enough to earn our way to heaven. So Jesus had to do it for us. Verse 9. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. So he's talking about, okay, God has now revealed his plan. That was mysterious to those before Jesus' time, right? And this is what the plan is. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. It doesn't feel that way all the time, does it? It's because we don't have the wisdom. We don't have the knowledge of understanding God's plan. But the fact that Paul references the fact that he chose us in advance, which is of such a blessing, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. What does that mean, everything work out according to his plan? It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work out for you in your life in the sense of... Um, worldly goods and success and things that we measure a happy life to be like in our in our small thinking we fight and we work and we study and we try to accomplish things on earth i'm not trying to downplay that okay we need to focus on that 
But that's not necessarily what Paul's referencing for everything working out according to his plan. God's plan is the fact that we are saved to join him one day. That's his plan. One time, one day, I think we'll understand uh, once we get to heaven, the, the bigger master plan that God has. And a lot of the things that we worry about and stress about and even plan about here on earth are going to be so meaningless once we get there. Now, they may seem like a big deal now, and they probably are. But in the grand scheme of things, God's plan is not always necessarily to step you along the path to make sure that you get the right education or get the right job or make enough money or da-da-da-da-da. That may be part of his plan to get you where he wants you to be, but ultimately what he wants you to do is be in a position to love him, love each other, and join him one day. That's God's plan, at least the way I understand it, the way I'm reading it. So Paul says that we've received this inheritance from him. He loves us so much, he chose us. And he makes everything work out to in his plan. Focus on his plan. All right, first of all, God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to tr- trust in Christ, would be praise, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles um, have also heard the truth. The good news, in capital letters, the good news that God saved you. So when people talk about, if you're kind of new to the church or Christianity, we talk about people spreading the good news or talking about the good news. Here it is, the good news that God saved us. That's what he's talking about, through Jesus Christ. And when you believed in Christ... He identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit of God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised, and he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Okay, let's go back a little bit to 13, talking about the good news that God saved us when we believed in Jesus. So when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, You're identified as his own. You're identified as God's child. And he gives us the Holy Spirit, which he promised long ago. So that's that baptism in spirit that you hear people talking about. Being baptized in the spirit. When you accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in you and leads you and is inside you, guiding you and comforting you. That's a gift in its own right that most people don't understand. And that is God's guarantee, that he will give us the inheritance he promised, which is the inheriting of being in heaven with him. All right, let's skip ahead, or let's go to verse 15, Paul's prayer for spiritual wisdom, back half of one here. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow in your knowledge of God. All right, so he's writing this letter to the church, and he basically says, hey, ever since I've heard that you guys have accepted Jesus, I can't stop thanking God. What a perspective that is. I think think we pray for people, at least we should be praying for people. We should be loving our neighbors and, and our family and friends and praying for them. But when... When one of them accepts Jesus and has eternal salvation, we should be thanking God for bestowing that gift to those people. He just talked about in the previous uh, verses how the fact that when you accept Jesus, 
The, you get the gift of eternity. You get the gift of the Holy Spirit. We should be thanking God when people accept Christ, because it's a glorious thing. All right, where were we? I have not stopped thanking God for asking God, uh, the glorious Father. I pray that your hearts will be flooded. This is verse 18. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. His holy people who are rich are his rich and glorious inheritance. Verse 19. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for who, for those who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the, whole, in the heavenly realms. So he is praying for these people, his friends, his fellow quote-unquote Christians in Ephesus, in, in the church of Ephesians. He, he wants them to understand how powerful God is. One thing I think that, one view or perspective I think that we lose at times is the power of God. Like, he, he's so abstract and out of our physical realm of being able to see and touch and hear that sometimes we forget just how powerful God is. He is the creator of everything, which is staggering to think about. So here, <clears throat> excuse me, Paul's trying to remind them how powerful God is. It's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Think about what he is saying there, the fact that Christ was risen from the dead, which doesn't happen as we know in our world. Imagine if we all saw somebody rose from the dead and then ascended into heaven. The power, the, the supernatural power that it takes in order to do that. So Paul's reminding them, hey, remember who we're praising here. Remember who we're talking about here. This is God, the Almighty. Now, verse 21. Now he, ha he is far above any ruler, talking about Jesus. Now he is uh, far above any ruler, authority, power, or leader, or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ. And he has made him head of all things for the benefit of the church. This is the church, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. And the last verse is, and the church is his body, it is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. All right, sip of coffee. I'm going to explain church for a second, and then we're going to get to questions. All right, so what does he mean when he references the church? What does Paul mean by this? He's not talking about the building down the street, of whatever denomination that happens to put up the, the brick-and-mortar building there for people to come join in. That's the, that's the body of Christ, right? When we refer to the church or the body of Christ, what we're talking about is the people who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We are the church. We may go to a church building to worship him and to learn from our elders and to learn from our pastor and to study the Scripture and to sing— that is certainly a church, but the church is the body of believers. Okay? That's what he's referencing. And, I, and you probably know this already, but I'm just explaining it to you because we do have people from all kind of experiences here uh, on listening and watching this uh, of what their experiences are. And I get a lot of basic questions sometimes. So 
I want to explain things to make sure we're all on the same page, and that is the fact that God has put all things under the authority of Christ, that He and He has made Him over all things for the benefit of church of the church. So God the Father has given Jesus the authority over heaven and earth and everything, all nations, for the benefit of us who believe in Him. And the church is His body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fill things all everywhere with himself. So that is Ephesians 1. So, spiritual blessings, spiritual wisdom, and understanding what the body of Christ is. So Ephesians is a great kind of overarching book, talking about the power of God, and and, and trusting in Jesus, and getting kind of focused on our faith. And Ephesians 1 did not disappoint on that, that's for sure. All right. Hope you guys like that. We'll continue with Ephesians 2 on Friday. Uh, so I'm going to hit a couple of questions now, uh, and then we'll go about our Monday and get our week going. I can't believe it's already Monday. It feels like the Friday was just here like 15 minutes ago. All right. Let's have a coffee. Let's, uh, let's see what questions we have here. All right. Uh, I'll just take the first one because there's a bunch, and I always like to read the first one. I don't know how it gets to the first, but I'm going to read it. <clears throat> how do you stay consistent in or on your walk with God when you realize you start to drift or backslide. You have to, so if you feel like you're a little distant from God, I'll say this, uh, it's not God that moved. It's it's you, and it's me, and it's everybody else. <laughs> so when we feel, if you can feel yourself kind of drifting away from God or backsliding, as they say, uh, from God, how do you can stay consistent with that walk. Okay, so here, here's here's kind of two examples or two thoughts. So you use the word walk. So we are in our walk with Christ. So think about you're on a walk. So we went hiking this past weekend <clears throat> with some friends of ours. I found myself at one point, we were about five miles in. I was getting tired, <laughs> truth be told. And my knee was starting to hurt a little bit. And I found myself kind of drifting behind everybody. And I realized in my walk with my friends that I needed to catch up. Okay, so here's two practical things I'm saying. One is in that practical way, I had to walk faster than I normally would in order to catch up with my group of friends. So if you find yourself... Uh, trailing Jesus, so to speak, on your walk with Christ, or if you feel yourself backsliding or distance from God, in, in my humble opinion, you can't. You need to get back into your routines and your habits and work on your relationship with Jesus. But if you get just back to normal, sometimes you may find yourself still distance, distant from Him. So sometimes you have to do twice as much work in order to, to get back in line with Jesus. It's a weird analogy, I know, but it's true. At least it feels that way in my life. So if I find myself backsliding a little bit, or I get a little lazy in my faith, as I like to refer to myself, I'm lazy in my faith. I haven't read the Bible. I'm behind on my Bible plan on my YouVersion app. Uh, I, I, I didn't pray yesterday or whatever that may be, whatever circumstance you may find yourself in. I like to double up. I double down on those things. And, and, and so if I'm reading a Bible plan, I'm using this as, a, as an example, and I, it's a six-day plan and I'm on day two, but or I'm supposed to be on day four, but I'm on day two, I'll catch up. I'll read three days that day to kind of catch up to where where I need to be on day four of my Bible plan. I think that's what you have to do. You have to put out twice as much effort when you fall behind so you can kind of get back in the normal cycle of things. Now, how do you prevent yourself from doing that? 
It's it's a constant job, but it's a good one. You gotta get you gotta prioritize God in Christ over what your day to day routine is. Don't let this life, this 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 crazy life that we live, distract us from our walk with Christ. Stick with Bible plans. Make sure you read. Get into God's Word every day. I mean, this took us 20 minutes to read a chapter, and I was talking the whole time. You can read a chapter of the Bible in about five minutes. It doesn't take that much effort to be consistent with reading the Bible. It doesn't take that much effort to pray in the morning and pray at night and all day long. It doesn't take that much effort to turn on a Christian song versus another song. It doesn't take that much effort to turn a movie off that is distracting you from your faith and turn on something a little more wholesome. It doesn't take a lot of effort. It just takes the effort of battling the distractions. So if this world's distracting you today, refocus. Get fall in line with, with your reading, your prayer life. Surround yourself with good people. Get yourself in a good church. And if you, find, if you feel like you're behind, then double up on your walk. Walk a little faster to catch up. All right, uh, let's take a couple more questions here. All right, this is not a question, but I got to read this because it's a very weird coincidence. Uh, K-Rock11 said, went back to church for the first time in years yesterday. Congratulations. Uh, They also began their Ephesians series, which is crazy. Love how God is working. Your podcast has helped me, has helped bring me back. So thank you. No, thank you. Uh, I I don't get a lot of feedback on these (laughs) episodes or on podcasts. So it's always good to know that there's people out there listening and that I'm making a difference. And I will say that aside, God does work in just strange ways sometimes uh the fact that i started ephesians today and you went to church for the first time and ever and then you heard about ephesians god's talking to you he wants you to listen and dive into the book of ephesians for a reason uh and and god does that sometimes so don't ignore those those signs okay Uh, let's see what other questions we have do I believe yoga is a sin? Well, I don't think the act of exercise of yoga is a sin. I do think the uh, the spirituality that can come from people that dive into yoga and where it comes from uh, is certainly not Christian. So watch yourself on those things. So uh, if you if you find yourself wanting to do yoga as an exercise, don't get wrapped up in the spiritual stuff because that is not of Jesus. That is for sure. All right, uh, let's take another question here. How does it not affect our faith when we pray for someone's salvation for years and see no change? That is a great question. I got two answers for you. One is this. Three questions. One is this. Um, It's great that you're praying for somebody's salvation. We need to pray for each other. There's a story of Mark talking about, um, you know, how these uh, uh, friends— uh, this group of people, um, you know, went to Jesus, uh, and Jesus healed their friend uh, by their faith, uh, not by the person who needed healing's faith. Uh, I can't remember what uh, chapter it is. I apologize; it's escaping me for the moment. <clears throat> but your 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 circle matters, right? And um, I'll say this: uh, it's 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 wonderful that you continue to pray, and I think you can affect somebody's salvation by your prayer. Uh, he or she needs to also uh, open their heart a little bit to Jesus. Now, you can't force that. You can only pray. You can only continue to pray. So you can't force somebody to change their ways or to open their hearts or to accept Jesus. 
but God can. So you don't know what their circumstance is going to be. Now, saying that, from a timing perspective, you've been praying for him for years and nothing has changed. Our time and our view of time is different than what God's is. Reference many times in the Bible, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. A thousand years is like a day to the Lord. Uh, he lives outside of space, time, and matter, right? So we consider our physical world and space, time, and matter, right? God lives outside of that. He does not live in our physical realm here of the way we measure time with the sun going around and yada, 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 okay? So time is relative to God. So if, if, if your friend hasn't changed their ways yet, then there's probably a reason for that. Keep praying. Don't give up. God's got a plan, even though we don't understand the plan. Even though sometimes that plan takes a lot longer than we think it should. God's timing is better than ours, I promise you. So I can't explain why your friend hasn't um, you know, opened up his heart to Christ yet. But God can. God knows what he's doing. Keep praying. Don't give up. Trust God with his timing and his plan. Okay? All right, let's say a quick prayer, and then we'll uh, get about our week. Sorry, I had to look at my watch. I know what time it was. And then we'll, uh, we'll hit Ephesians 2 on uh, Friday, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for uh, bringing us together today as we uh, study the book of Ephesians, and we're excited to kind of uh, dive into the next few weeks and read more and more about the wisdom that the Apostle Paul is giving us today. Thank you so much for speaking through him. Thank you so much for thousands of years ago putting it on his heart to change his ways and, and to change who he was so he could take his testimony and his message and spread it to the world, Lord. We're still thousands of years later able to learn from that, and it's such a blessing for all of us. I'm praying for all the kids out there today. I have, uh, I have, as you know, my daughter graduates on Friday, and, and there's a lot of kids finishing up school and changing uh, grades and going into the summertime, and I'm praying for each one of them on their next step in life. I'm also praying for everybody watching or listening to this right now. I'm praying for that person's friend who they've been praying for, that they know you and understand you and accept you in their heart. I'm praying for everybody watching this, that they accept Jesus in their lives. Because I know probably not all of them have yet. But I'm praying for that myself right now, Lord. Open their hearts, open their minds, and show them the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys. I'll see you guys on uh, Friday. We'll hit this again Friday at 8 a.m. Central Time, where I'm located, and uh, we'll do uh, Ephesians 2. Until next time, keep Jesus on your heart, and forever on your mind. Love you guys. Talk to you all soon.